Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of The Devon Hour. I just wanted to pop in before the episode starts to say thank you so much to Alicia Day for coming on to this week's episode. This episode is filled with so much tea, so much information that I really want every single person listening and streaming to this episode, wherever you're streaming it on, to really take in what is being said. I thoroughly enjoyed this interview and I know everyone who's listening will as well. Make sure you follow Alicia Day at Alicia Day Queen on Instagram. But without any further ado, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I hope you're looking forward to the rest of the drag queen extravaganza. So also, did you see my message? I wanted to get into some shit. I wanted to get into some deep shit. So oh, you do? Yes. Oh, okay. I always have stuff on standby. <laughs> we have no. I don't know. So here. I don't know. I'm see. My other thing is like professionally speaking, and that's the crazy thing is like as a black person, whenever I speak the truth, I always have to keep in mind a professionalism because unfortunately, I'm the one that's going to be put in jeopardy of fucking up my career when I'm speaking the truth, which is always weird. Yeah. But um, I'm, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm going to say names to the earlier, my earlier drag experience because I don't fuck with them bitches anymore. I don't really, I saw what I said, but she doesn't exist. But when it comes to more recent establishments and of certain queens that I know you have interviewed, I will try to keep it cute. And um, yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to the Devon Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Devin. Thank you for taking an hour out of your day to hear me run my fat ass fucking mouth, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Today, we are going to be starting off the new series on the Devon Hour, where we are going to be interviewing some drag queens who I am completely fond of. Welcome to the Devon Hour, our first guest of this new series. I think I'm going to call it Drag Queen Extravaganza. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to call it. Welcome, Alicia Day Queen here. Yes. What's up? Oh, wait, so fun fact. So even Queen's just my Instagram handle. My drag name is just Alicia Day. Really? So no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that because um, I, I, I'm a stand-up Aja Queen. That's, well, Aja Queen on her Facebook and stuff and Instagram because I was like, Aja, Alicia are pretty common names. So I'm like, how can I make sure that my Instagram is not, when you type me in, there's a lot of Alicia days, black, white, yeah. everything. So I was like, how do I make my stuff stand out? So I just added the queen. Because I just spelled hers K-W-E-E-N. I spelled mine the regular way. Oh, yes. So so it's like when I, and, and, you know, of course, Alicia spelled the black way. You know, <laughs> not like Alicia Keys. She's only half black. Right, I'm right. I'm a full experience. That is A-L-I-S-H-A. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. If you want to follow me, it's A-L-I-S-H-A-D-A-Y queen on Instagram. Yes. Facebook, Venmo, and Cash App. Okay. Um, yeah, but no, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Because I mean, there's sometimes when people see my Instagram, they're like, "Ali Shady Queen." I'm like, "How the fuck do you oh, see, no. see Shady when like it's Shade or no. Ali Shade Queen?" You know, literacy levels. Period. But, yeah. So Alicia Day. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Devon Hour. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I'm hanging in there. Um, I cannot complain. Right. Right. So 
I really wanted to have some amazing, amazing queens on here. And honestly, this is my excuse to talk to you, Alicia, because I love your work so much. I've been following you for a while now, too. Yes, I follow you as well. Yes, and you are just so sickening. Like, (laughs) you are so... It's contagious, honey. It's contagious. Yes. Maybe that was too early since we're in a pandemic, but still. (laughs) Too soon. (laughs) Well, speaking of the pandemic, how has that been like affecting your your creativity, your your work? Um, it's put my pussy in the fire. Uh (laughs) No chlamydia intended. Right. But no, honestly, it's actually pushed me more. So I have I have been given the opportunity and I'm so blessed and think that I'm able to still interview with individuals like you, um, do paid virtual gigs. I've had some gigs that were canceled due to the pandemic. However, they opted to do like virtual. So I had a gig, I was supposed to do at a boarding school up like in Massachusetts. They just paid me same amount, but to do a drag tutorial, answer questions. Yeah. I have, um, I've done drag makeup workshops. So if you yes. want to, they paid me to do drag makeup and through Zoom. Um, I've done, um, I've done my own shows, the, um, Hacked, which is my little, I call it a little because I've only done it two times because I started working more, so I became busy, but I've done my own virtual drag experience through Instagram with some people like Kiara Mel, Veruca Dagger, and mm-hmm. Kitchy Scofflaw, some friends of mine. Yeah. Um, but also overall, the quarantine has pushed me to realize, okay, bitch, you're doing part-time work. You have a lot more free time than you normally do. A lot of the gigs are not there anymore so i really want to leave this quarantine i know i'm speaking of a place of privilege but i want to leave this quarantine with a new skill and that new skill will be sewing i have been pushing it off years before but the goal is to be more well-rounded queen you know i'm i'm pretty good at hair i'm pretty good at makeup i think i'm good at my performing so my next step to be a sufficient queen is sewing and that's because i've been screwed over by a lot of seamstresses and designers locally not all but enough to be like okay I can save money if I make my own shit. And mm-hmm. I already, I'm doing the research. I know to, I know what I need to do in regards to like creating these patterns, bodies, yeah, yeah, yeah. types of silhouettes. It's just, I'm too much of a punk ass bitch to actually <laughs> do it. So it intimidates the shit out of me. Like earlier this week, I sat down with someone else who self-taught and I have a, bitch, I have a sewing machine. My mama has one. I have fabric. I literally, I'm on YouTube. I, I can tell you, how different these are constructed, different hems, and how to make shit. I am just too much of a punk-ass bitch to do it. It's scary. It's so scary. And and the thing is, being a drag queen, as an artist in general, I'm like, I'm a perfectionist. So it gets to the point where it's like, ooh, I know it's going to be shitty, so that's why I don't want to do it. Because it's like, I want everything to be, well, everyone, especially artists, want everything to be But at the same time, you need to, like, get it out your system so you can improve the next time you do it. Yeah. I mean, my make, I think think I'm a pretty beautiful person in drag now, but in the beginning, I like shit. You know, my wigs were shit in the beginning, but now they're better. Um, you know, so it's like you have to start somewhere, but it's just I've done a hem, you know, <laughs> I I've done that, but we made a yeah. sleeve. <laughs> no, not even that bitch. I feel like I'm being more self-sufficient. So that's the goal. So quarantine has really pushed me creatively. I have a little corner where I have a little backdrop where I have a little glitter backdrop. So even if you mm-hmm. check out my Instagram, you see like I did my videos and stuff like it's pushed me to be more creative and think outside the box. I'm so happy that that was the perspective you took through that because I know for a lot of people, they were like struggling on being creative because, you know, I was saying this to the other queens who I had interviewed. Um, 
that being home was your safe haven, right? Like, yeah, yeah. When you go to work, that's where you get to express your creativity. That's where you get to express yourself. When you go home, that's time for you to go to bed. But since this quarantine has taken over our lives, now we're taking all that creativity and now it's all stuffed in our house <laughs> where we would usually just take that shit outside the house. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that, you know, there are people out there who took that initiative and was like, you know what? Shit, if I'm going to be in this fucking house, I'm going to learn one thing or two. <laughs> it highlights the classism it highlights the racism how like you know how black and brown people are disproportionately affected by it highlights the classism how like you know it's putting low income individuals in the point where they have to work through a fucking pandemic in order just to keep the lights on meanwhile you got rich white folks leaving New York City and Jersey City going to their going to the Berkshires and the Massachusetts and the Vermont right no no, the real gag is they're going home (laughs) right right and they say that they're like, I'm going home. I'm like, oh, so you're admitting that you wanted to come here to be in a little culture and leave your old little, um, how do I say this, basic-ass small town to go to this place that's urban, diverse, right, cultural, right. and popping. And you, you admitted that you just wanted to be a fly on the wall. You wanted to take or be amongst the culture but not contribute to it. And they're ignorant because they don't understand like the effects it is when you go from your little suburb town and you come over here to the cities where there are actual low income housing and the people of color here, they people of color flock to these cities because they can't go nowhere else. So for you to go from your suburb because you want to be here to be cool, then now you're going back home now that there's a virus. If you're going right. to be a New Yorker, if you're going to be a Jersey City individual, then you better stand in that shit through a pandemic or not. But now y'all want to go back to Massachusetts and uh, Colorado and shit. You don't know how many queens, like, queens literally left. I mean, they came back, some did, but most of them are like, oh, I can't work here anymore because of the drags and, you know, there's no more funding, all this other stuff. So I'm going back home to my family. It's like, I mean, it's blessings to you that you can go back home and you have a place to work with. Some of these queens left because they, yeah, but keep in mind, like, not all of them add some more nuance not all these queens parents are supportive of what they do so some of these queens have to stay where they are because if they yeah. go back either they can't be their true selves yeah or if they go back they have to go to a home that's toxic or unsupportive yep. and so they have to stay where they are and they have to make ends meet and we've seen the girls who only fans you know that's one way to make ends meet i mean go ahead get your uh, money poor only fans bella and then we see and then we Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I think about privilege. I, I saw a little bit about that, but I right. had to ignore it because, like, sometimes I'm trying not to give the, the, the white people too much attention because it's like, y'all got everything else. You're not, trying, you're not gonna get my attention today. You got everything right. else. Just right. not my joy today. <laughs> but I've seen people like Anita D, shout out to her, her and Katrina and the Hibiscus in New York. They're doing, like, fucking drive-by drag performances and shit mm-hmm. like that. So it's like, make your money, bitch. This girl who was selling masks some of them are scamming them because they trying to make these little ringy dinky homemade masks. And it's like, I bought one for my sister, bought one for my friend. And like, bitch, the strap was longer than the other. I'm like, bitch, you're going to do this shit right. Right. Don't do give me no damn right. prototype. Give me the... Well, not even that, because them kids that's in a foreign country that's being underpaid is doing better work than you, bitch. And they're getting paid pennies per, per fucking mask. And I got to pay $7 for this shit. Right. <laughs> and it's not even to the right measurement. Right. Girl, get the fuck out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Wait, I gotta assume we can curse, right? Because I've been cursing already. <laughs> yes, this is this podcast. Okay. There's no rules on this damn podcast. But let's get into your background <sighs> first. Where okay, are you yes. from? I am originally from my mama. Um, she is from <laughs> Brooklyn. <laughs> no, um, so I am born and raised in Newark, 
you can tell I'm from there because I say Newark instead of Newark. Yeah. But Newark, New Jersey. Um, oh, let me, let me, I am a Capricorn. <laughs> I'm January 13th, 1995. My blood type is, no, okay, I don't know my blood type. <laughs> I should. Um, so you want to know, I guess, why I started drag or just before yeah, I just then what led up to it? About your background, like, um, like, okay. how was, how was little Alicia? How, how was So she? little Alicia, she did not know what a drag was. Um, essentially I was like born, raised in Newark, but I was moving out through the East Orange, Orange and, um, Newark area. Um, believe it or not, she was really quiet into herself and conservative, not necessarily shy, but just reserved um oh girl just because duality. Like, i know <laughs> not just because i was like a capricorn that's who we are we're like mysterious in regards to we're reserved but we get to know you we're, we're we're loud in your face think of new york tiffany pollard is very much a capricorn yes. Alyssa edwards is very much a capricorn even yep. jim carrey look okay so anyway so the reason why i say that because uh now i don't if i don't know you i don't fuck with you meaning i just keep my distance it's like because i'm very guarded Right. So with me, I was very shy. I was to myself, but I was always, how do you call it? A smart, smart mouth or asshole, mm-hmm. um, a mama's boy. And, and then eventually I got bullied. So that uh-huh. was another thing because before I even realized I was gay, there was other things you know, that happened to me in my life. But before I even realized that I was gay, people told me that. And I didn't know what the fuck that was. Alicia, was are we, live, we live the same motherfucking life. I, oh, my gosh. I, you're literally, like, telling me all are you as, like, Are you asthmatic, too? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where you, I mean, that's what happens when you're asthmatic. You know, you just connect. No, I'm right. No, but I, though, literally, like, the same experiences you went through is some things that I went through as well growing up. Like, oh, a lot of that's people... Great. Yeah, a lot of people like labeling you before you could even figure out who you are. Yourself, right. people were calling me gay shit in like third grade, and I was like, right. I like Pokemon, sir. Like, I, right. I like music. Like, this is and, not, you weren't even thinking about that. And people were labeling me. And keep you. in mind, it's like these kids were bullying me because that's what they saw their parents do. That's right. the other gag. Like, these kids right. know what it means to be gay. And even, and eventually when they said, oh, they knew it meant liking boys, it's like, that may be the case, but keep in mind, the only way these kids knew this is because they see their parents' bigoted behavior. But keep in mind, these are the same parents who are like, I don't want my son on that gay shit, but like, they'll let their kids watch Power or they'll let their kids watch music videos with like explicit right. visuals they'll, or they'll yeah. let them watch mm-hmm. some, some bullshit. So it's like, you, and, and then they always use the argument that kids are too young to know about sexuality. But when your cis hetero, assumedly hetero son is, have is hanging out with another female oh that's, that's his girlfriend. girlfriend like uh-uh that's another girl that's in the same class and they're doing an art project together don't impose your heteronormativity on that child because then you're creating high expectations because now mm-hmm. you're gonna be gagged you think your son is a boyfriend i mean he has a girlfriend all his life and then we tell you he like beating up the boy's booty you're gonna be real gagged because you're like you create these expectations in your own head to make you feel comfortable instead of realizing that this is his life. And that's all rooted from, from, from gender. That's all yes. rooted. Oh, if you ask, I, I know, you know, this person, you know, Torian. Oh, yes. From Project yes. LOL. Yeah. He's very handsome. He, oh, he's gorgeous. And he's I a had, Virgo. Yes, he is. Earth yes, signs. He is. Uh, are you a Virgo as well? No, I'm a Leo. Okay. Leo. I like Leo's. Yeah, look, I, look had, me like, I like Leos. Yeah, I like Leos. <laughs> I had Torian on the podcast, and uh, we were talking about I want to listen to that. Oh, uh, it was good. Torian. We had two parts. It was good as hell. And Ooh. 
Torian, I was telling Torian, like, everything is fucking rooted in white supremacy. Is coming from a white-centered or white supremacist gaze, mm-hmm. you know, or lexicon, because I was watching this interview with Funky Naniva, and this one guy, and he, was, he uses the term same gender loving, which I guess that sounds a little bit boring to me. <laughs> same but, gender loving. But he says that because he's like, a lot of these vocabulary words are created from a space that never even included us, which makes right. sense. It's like, right. And certain cultures, there's no such thing as trans. They're just a third gender. The Polynesians, the Indians, they have their own cultural understanding of what it means to be gay. Same way in Yoruba, like gay in some of these um, African um, countries, before we knew what gay meant, they had their own words for it. You know, and even in some Native American um, nations, they call it two-spirited because it's like sometimes you can't necessarily label things like that or if they have their own labels, it's not necessarily based in gender, but it's more or less based in spirituality. Correct. Or feeling. So it's like they spoke about how, like, you know, there was women, you know, raising children with women, women who we consider like butch lesbians or femme lesbians, being warriors, princesses, priestesses, mm-hmm. and gay men, queer men, trans people as well, to the point where like queer people were considered the spiritualists. Like queer people were not only the healers, but they also were the nurturers. They also mm-hmm. were sometimes leaders or high council people, you know? So it was like, Again, here comes white man telling you that not only, and, and this and this is a thing for those listeners. Like, I'm not speaking of a place of racism and malice. When you do your research and your history, this is literal literally history. Yes, um, you know, as I was being bullied throughout middle school, I was like, so I was in. So eventually, yes, I did study. I have a classical voice performance major. Oh, and then a minor in black studies. Yes, I don't use my major as much because I feel like. When I'm in a club, nobody want to hear an aria about love when you want to pop your pussy drinking Patron. So I feel like I got to find the right <laughs> place to do what I want to do in regards to singing. But I didn't want to do classical music because it's not like my forte. Even while I was doing it, I was miserable because I like, you know, R&B, I like soul. I like, you know, pop. I originally auditioned for musical theater, but I didn't get in. And the thing I did not want to do is what I got in for, which was classical music. But um, so to answer the previous question, so yeah. I've been bullied. I've been throughout a lot of arts, public um, middle schools and high schools, and I got bullied. I left one public school to go to arts high school. The bullying was yes. worse in the arts high school. It was, <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar. So I was in C Building in East Orange, but I did yep. I left and went to Sissy Tyson. Oh, the my art gosh. School. It was worse there. I know. It's supposed to be where gays are supposed to be, I guess, appreciating the arts. I get the heteros made it worse for me in those art schools. And then I left that school, went back to where I was being bullied. And then I went to a private school after that, Link Community School in Newark. Um, then after that, I went to a Catholic school. So I went to Catholic school for second grade. I, I left that. Then I went back to Catholic school for f- f- my freshman to half my sophomore year. I was in Christ the King prep. That's where they gave me experiences working. I did internships at art glass blowing shops. Mm. And I worked at the North Museum and event planning. So I say this because these are my skills that I use. It's going to make sense why I'm including this. Right. I explain it to you. So I, then I went to a boarding school for low income and orphan kids, Milton Hershey School, which was her experience. Just all I can say was it was half white, half black school from pre-K to 12 in the middle of damn Pennsylvania, Hershey, Pennsylvania specifically, a red fucking area. Okay? Like, rural like when you go outside you smell cow shit and chicken shit and then certain days you can distinguish between the two <laughs> i'm telling i can tell you what is cow shit chicken shit and pig shit no normally we use pig shit for the farms and the crops like it was a child it was something Mm-mm. um and then um i eventually went to Ithaca college upstate new york ithaca new york 
Um, and then I started drag, you know, my sophomore year. Question is how I got into drag. So yes, how did you get into okay. drag? So my college, Ithaca, they had a prism, which is P-R-I-S-M, not prison. prison. You had a prism in, in your college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did too. I have a prism in my college too. Work. So yeah. I was the, eventually my senior year, I was the co-president. And then I was joining the chair, but basically was raising money for the chair projects. Mm-hmm. And it was freshman year of college. I saw them do a drag show and I was like, ooh, like, is, this, is this what the girls are giving? I was like, I could do that. Uh-huh. But I can do that better. Right. So the next year, I went and I, uh, you know, I joined the group and I performed. But wait, that's not my first time in drag, though. Here's the gag. Oh, my first time me. in drag was in high school, my senior year. We were doing the play Hairspray. Not like the movie version. We were doing like the play, traditional play. So, so were I you the mom? The- <laughs> I wanted to, bitch. That's what I auditioned for. I said, if you have to put me in white makeup, do so. But they was like, no, they gave it to a cis-hetero girl. I was like, okay. But I played the warden and the gym teacher. Uh-huh. So I would talk like this for the gym teacher. <laughs> and then the warden, I would talk all stern and just like that. You know, the, the whole joke of the warden when she was a butch lesbian. And um, I was tap dancing, all of this. So that was my first time in drag. Like, I had to do my own makeup. I had to do my own. They gave me the padded bra costume and everything. But at that time, darling, I was an actor. I didn't know what drag was. <laughs> the director, shout out to Tim Steffens. He was like, Mr. Steffens, he was like, you know, you're going to get hooked onto this, right? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what this is. Gag, you. Boom. Right. Freshman year, <laughs> I did shitty Nicki Minaj drag. It's somewhere in my Facebook. I had a half blue and half wig. Oh no! It, I like someone's uncle with garage blue. It I shot. It looked like shit. Oh, but then no. sophomore year, so yeah, back to the yes, back to prison. <laughs> so the following year, I did. I competed. Well, it wasn't a competition. We just we raised money. I performed, and then that following summer, I got booked at my first gig. It was at a straight bar, Moonies. So and then it just carried on. When I was realized people wanted to pay me money to look pretty and to get attention and other gag is i was 19. right and you only so, you supposed to be 21 to get into those bars right but here's the gag again i used to smoke more than i drink i don't do either anymore really because i feel like alcohol takes so much out of you and weed is quicker but the thing was <laughs> even the bar the guy was like don't drink anything so when i went up to the bar i was getting something to drink he's like oh you want i was like what do you want i want orange juice you want no tequila I was like, I'm like, are you trying to set me up? Like, you told me I couldn't drink. And then I guess he forgot. But I was like, no, orange juice is fine. So I never really drunk that much at the gigs. But no, I've been starting at 19. I was, like, working the bars at 19. And it was so weird because while other kids are, like, trying to get, like, fixed again, I'm just like, bitch, I work here. <laughs> like, I, work, I don't need a fake pitch. This is what I do. <laughs> I'm backstage, darling. I guess, bitch. <laughs> I know where the good shit is. Right. I don't drink it, but, yeah. So yeah, that's where that's where the the blood sucking parasite oh, was wow. formed. Yeah, I would get paid to go and drag to go to house parties to give little fucking shows <laughs> or just to show up. Sometimes, of course, it was college. She's like, I can't like pay you in cash, but we got like alcohol and pizza. Is that okay? And I'm like, sure, why not? Because <laughs> at that time, bitch, all I had was a fuck. I had like two looks, a dress, and I was bigger than I used to wear a lot of peplums. Uh-huh. Because I like the, they created like a little illusion of the silhouette of right, you right, know, right. small and then like at the waist and tapered out at the side. So, bitch, I was walking around. I used to shave bare ass. I used to tuck. I used to walk around bare ass 
with my dick and balls tucked, a nice cute little panty thong, <laughs> and a fucking peplum that goes above my ass. I was walking uh-huh. around with my ass out. Wait, so were you ever, like, were you inspired by Drag Race? Uh, no, that's the crazy. So I knew of Drag Race. I'm not gonna lie, I knew of it. I was right. watching it. So when I did, um, I, I learned about Drag Race in college because I knew it was in 2009 is when it started, bitch. I was in ninth grade. Mm. Okay. I don't know about drag. I know what the fuck that was until it was, I started doing the drag competition in like 2014, 15. I graduated high school 2013. So sophomore year was like 14, 15. Mm -hmm. I don't know what season that was, but I think season five, 14, four, four, well, no, I got hooked on, so I knew of season four, but I think I went back uh-huh. to watch season four. But I know for a fact season four and five were the first seasons I remember watching. Right. So I guess I knew of drag when I started. I don't know, but I knew I started drag sophomore year of high school, but I didn't know of drag race, but it didn't necessarily inspire me. However, it did motivate me to continue because I realized there's now an industry for it. Yes. And then, yes. you know, I was like, oh, these bitches, like, it's, it's like me said, my pussy, that's what I want her to sell. It's not that I want to be on that show because you know how they treat black queens. But, um... You see, you hear what's going on with Widow. What happened with Widow? You know, Widow's just been calling out people. Just been like, y'all make Ooh. queens of color feel like shit. <laughs> that's, and that's the, the production truth. company or just the fans? Just the fans itself. But we well, can, but production deserves a little bit of a reading too. Yes, but. because you saw that interview with ET where they had all the five girls. They had Shay, Monet, um, Jada. Jada was on there and Heidi. And, yeah, yeah, and 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 Monet was like, you know, and Asia. Yeah, and it was like, oh, we well, understand the fan base is like mostly white. So because Asia is excuse for a reason why she experienced racism and not having that much of a fan base was because most of the fans are white. They only connect to the white queens. That's bullshit because. Most of these black hip-hop artists, their fans are white. But for some reason, they have a lot of white fans. Obviously, that goes into details of the type of things they talk about, how white people like to commodify and appropriate blackness. Yes. But overall, I don't think it's that these white people do not connect with these black fans because these there are white fans that like black queens. It's just fucking racism. And the produ- producers was like, I go on a rant about this all the time, but Violet was a bitch. Raven was a bitch on this season. Yes. Raven talked shit about Tatiana. Violet was very much unlike by all the other girls. Yes. But they did not receive death threats. When Kennedy and Jasmine Masters shared their opinion, they thought of attacking the white, skinny, fragile queen. But when Violet did that, oh, she's just young and fun and spunky. No, she was a fucking cunt. Yes. But why is it that Jasmine Masters and Kennedy Davenport get fucking death threats? Why is it that um, Britta Filter, she's not black, sometimes she tries to be. I noticed that when, when I, I worked with her, this is shade, but she she even said in the show, she was like, people think I'm black. And it's like, but you play into that because you're a Polynesian bitch, but you wearing box braid wigs. Right. And cynically uh, twist yeah. wigs. Mm-hmm. Afros. And I'm like, okay, girl. So you know you're not black, but you still put on black like it's a costume. Okay, got it. Next. Um, so it's like um That's the shit I peeped too. I peeped that shit yes, too throughout. And that I worked for her because I was like, I was like, you girl, you're a person of color, but you ain't black. There's a difference. Um, mm-hmm. especially according to society, especially when it when a black body is being killed every day. We know what a black body is. Exactly. Um, but it got to the point so where eventually, you know, 
the production, even the edits they give, like the Vixen. Like, I'm happy she walked on to try to control her own narrative. Which yeah, the edits that on. they gave the Vixen, even the edit that they gave, I would even go as far as like Jasmine Masters, the edit they gave her. Like, yes. What the fuck? <laughs> and it's like Jasmine Masters and allegedly Pearl, because Jasmine never signed me, but Jasmine Masters like recently got off. Pearl was refusing to book or do anything that was booked with Jasmine. No one, Jasmine, when she was on her little her YouTube, she never said the girl's name, but she was saying certain girls, certain bookers was telling her that girls who, who were higher up and made it far would not come to certain venues if they were booked with her. So not only were these white bitches who were very, all these girls were very popular, very mediocre. Yep. Um, white, blonde, and don't do shit. Meanwhile, these black queens are, who, who made it far, like the fact that Kennedy Davenport is not high in following, she's been top three twice. Literally, she, season seven, and also all stars. She was top two, right? Yeah, yes. So it's like, and the thing is, is like these queens are just not treated the same or respected the same. But it's like, you know, you have you see, like the Trixies and the Katias, who were just mediocre and white. Yes, I, I'm fans of them, but like when Kati try to come for Evie Ali, it's like, girl, you can't talk about Evie Ali how she don't have expensive costumes when you literally wear expensively tacky shit. And that you know, that's part of your aesthetic. Like you right. said, oh yeah. And all I know Evie it's gotta do me. is go to the thrift store and she'll turn out a fucking finale outfit. Like But here's the gag. Here's the <laughs> fucking gag. Uh-huh. You see how she said that shit to Evie, but not white passing. Um, what's that white girl? She's Mexican, but she's white passing. Everyone loves her. Um Crystal the- Method. Oh, yep. She really does the same shit Evie Ali does, the whole thrifting creating shit from home, working from nothing to something, but she's not getting that same backlash. Nope. Again, so not only do we disenfranchise black queens, but we put them on a high standard in order for, like, we, we it's just double standard. It's like motherfuckers will walk around in a bra and panties, Violet and Pearl, and they're praised. But if someone does that... Right. And it's like, but if a black queen does it, it's like, and even as a black queen, I felt that too. Like, now we're talking about double standards, but it's like me being bigger and dark-skinned, I felt I felt that double standard. I felt like certain people, like, I know for a fact, they didn't see it for me. I had one, I, okay, I don't know if you know these girls, but there's no shade to them, but I, I was doing a competition with Jasmine Kennedy and Zabaleta, two skinny, one was Latinx, one was white, mm-hmm. and I'm the only big black bitch. And we had to do Kitty Girl. Mm-hmm. I won that lip sync because I knew the fucking words and I performed well. Meanwhile, they're flipping, ooh, excuse me, they're flipping their hair and they're turning around because they don't know the lyrics and they're doing all these tricks and I'm like, okay, bitch, I can do that too, but you're not emoting or knowing the words of the song. I won and a fucking fan, her name was Peaches, you know, fat girl, black as well. She was trans, I believe. She came up to me and said, and I quote, girl, you turned it. I didn't see it for you because you was bigger than all of them, but you actually won. And I said, so not only is another fat bitch going to come and bring that negative energy over here, <laughs> but bitch, I would think you'd be in my fucking corner rooting for me because whenever I perform, right. usually people are like, oh, yes, big girl, big energy. So they're like, oh, yes, yes, yes. You know, half the crowd is like that. You know, they support me. And I feel like sometimes half the crowd is like, can she keep up? And it's like, no, bitch, can you keep up? Right. And you would like, think like, I'm representation for you, bitch. Like, you should right. be happy that right. I'm over here turning it the fuck out in comparison to these two bitches. Like, but not right. And not even that. And then keep in mind, like, I feel like because I am, because I have, you know, the musical theater background performance. So I incorporate my dancing, I incorporate my acting, I incorporate my blocking, you know, even singing, learn how to like lip sync as if I'm singing mm-hmm. the words myself. So it's like, there's a lot of shit that goes into it. And it's like, I feel like I'm very much overlooked sometimes. Like, right. there's, there's moments where I'm like, 
And after those competition, literally, especially Polish, the judges will come up to me and say, girl, you should have won that. Bitch, then why the fuck did you not say something? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, there's moments where, like, and I'm just like, because I don't, and the thing I have about these competitions, don't have competitions where it's like, oh, we're going to have judges critique you and make determine who goes to the top three, but then we'll have audience determine who won to the top three. Either you have the judges for everything or nothing at all. Right. Why would you have the people who are experiencing this to judge and bring me up to the top three and then have me lose because that one bitch who was basic just brought 20 of her fucking friends from her day job? Right, exactly. There's a, a lot of bias that goes into shit yes. like that. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's so tacky. I really do hate the way that uh, black queens are treated, especially since black queens are the ones who really started the movement for for the LGBTQ plus movement. Right. Like, the way that black queens are disrespected, but yet at the same time, they're the originators of the shit. I don't get it. But then that also goes but, into racism. Then if you want to yes. talk about weight fat phobia, there's just yes. so much shit that goes into it. Okay. And then now, and now that I'm becoming more into my queerness and to my radicalness, I guess if that's a phrase, I'm learning. I'm, I'm, I yes, I identify as part of the LGBTQ community. However, I'm learning that that is a white space that is not meant for me. It was never right. meant for me. Right. And I'm learning because even when we, because when we talk about Stonewall, the gag is this is what happens. This is a hot take. It was not for queer liberation. It wasn't the result. But that was against police brutality. Yes. Some girls stopped that shit because police were beating up the black gays and the white gays and the white transgender yes. people and cross-dressers. Yes. It was for police brutality. So that's why I get angry at my black community when it's like, that gay shit don't affect it. It's like, no, gay black people exist. And we also been fighting this fight of police brutality because we're also affected by it too. Yeah, people, but then I, the I, white community took that whole Stonewall situation yes. and flipped the narrative for yes. LGBTQ. And that was gay like, liberation. No, it was, Police brutality. It's, it's police brutality. It was very much black in its in its thing because it was mostly niggas in that bar getting their asses beat. Yes, it was some white folks. It was you know, but it was mostly us black and brown people getting our asses beat by the police. The same ones that be trying to sexually assault us or rape us. Also, you know, in the prisons and yes, and in yes. the cell holdings as well. So it was like it, it led to queer liberation, but at the same time, like all liberations, we've noticed black people will start something first. And this is from my, my, my Black Studies minor speaking. Mm -hmm. When we had the civil rights movements, that's when we had Chicano rights come up. We had Asian American rights come up in regards to, and I quote, a lot of um, other minority groups who will create um, protests, they said they followed the strategic um, methods that were created by Black civil rights. One of them was Bayard Russell. We are the template. <laughs> yes, but because he was gay. Shout out to the 57th anniversary of the March in Washington. That was like the 28th, mm -hmm. this past Friday. He was a gay black man who orchestrated that, but Martin Luther King gets all the credit for it. But Bayard Rustin was the one who was behind all the peaceful protests. And because he was gay, they tried to silence his, um, his, his, his erase his history and his importance within civil rights. But a gay black man was the right hand of Martin Luther King. Yes. But these hotels don't want to hear that. So let's talk about, let's talk about your performance. If we go to an yes. Alicia Day uh a performance what can we expect so i live what you expect what you expect from me at alicia day show um high energy um i'm if i can describe myself i'm silly sexy sophisticated i'm sophisticated whether i'm like you know how i perform or what references i'm using mm -hmm. um i'm sexy because i'm alluring i'm not too crude but um i can be tantalizing and then sensual yeah. but i'm silly because i do not take myself fucking seriously i have a pussy mix I'm famous for my Cardi B mix. 
with it's usually excerpts from the movie Precious and uh-huh, Cardi B. Uh-huh. I have a burning pussy mix. Like I do not take myself serious because I'm I'm a man in a fucking wig. I'm a beautiful man in a wig, but um I am a man in a wig and it's like bitch, my whole job is to escape is escapism. So you just came from a twelve hour shift at work or a shitty day and you want a beautiful person to serenade you with swaying of the hips and the moving of the lips and the sucking of the dicks, whichever gets you there. But um, you can expect some kicks, some tricks, some splits, um, and just stupidness. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about drag, right? I want to know. Yes. Just switching gears. <laughs> how how would you define drag? Um, I used to be ignorant and think that drag was only for men to cross dress, and it didn't include women, and I was very much wrong. Mm-hmm. And the real reason why I realized it was wrong, because I really, I soon to realize that drag is for queer people. But even then, I was like, it can't necessarily be for queer people, because we got people like Martin Lawrence, Robin Williams, and, and, other, and all these other people doing drag, and Tyler too. Perry, yes, and they're getting praised for it. So I'm like, who the fuck am I to tell another gay person, no matter if they're a female or not, that they can't do drag? So I realized drag is more or less a performance of gender. It is open to anyone. Um, mm-hmm. It's not so limited. I'm happy I grew and evolved and realized that. That is not the case in drag is for, see, drag is for everyone and it is a performance art. It plays up on gender and politics and, and status quo, but at the same time, is it for everyone? I still like to think drag is something that's queer and innately. Yeah. And I feel like, unfortunately, when you're in a minority group, we're so also we're always trying to be welcomed by the main community that we're always like you notice how like gay spaces are like we gotta make we gotta stop being so mean to the straight people because we want them to come in here too but they don't want us to come to these spaces right exactly so exactly. it's like i've realized as minorities are always trying to make, accommodate and be welcoming of the oppressor or the majority when they never make spaces for us so it's like yeah drag can't be for everyone but i think it's it is by us for us like queer people yeah you know we, we just saw that first story of that drag of drag being by the, the first freed slave in the 1850s, something like that. I forgot mm-hmm. he called himself the queen. Coming from RuPaul's gig. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like they used to hold balls and everything. So it was like drag again, black people being at the front line. But no, so I think drag is for everyone, but um, I would like to say it, it has a home within the queer community, the gay community. Um, yeah. Yeah, drag is definitely somebody's own experience. You know, like everybody has their own uh form of drag that they feel more comfortable expressing for themselves uh, i'm so tired of people just viewing drag as just one thing being just male female impersonation when we know that we have bio queens we have uh, drag kings we have people who just just do drag period like they just do. one of my friends does gender fuck drag so gender like sometimes and that's drag the drag queen and, a queen and yeah Gender fuck drag is the drag that RuPaul fucking did. And I can't believe talk about it. I can't believe RuPaul and who he is now. When you came from the gender fuck scene, sir, <laughs> madam. Right. How dare you and not have no drag kings on your fucking show, not no bio queens on your fucking show, but you came from the gender fuck scene. Because she said it herself is not profitable. She said it in one of her interviews. She said, when I want to start making money, that's when I started doing more hyper-feminine drag. And that goes into, like, sexism. I'm not saying she's sexist. Well, that's another story. But, like, women are 
thought of as commodifiable objects. Right. Like yes. I just watched the VMAs, like how all these women, female performers had to go extra hard just to do a show while you got men who literally can walk around and have women dance around. Did you not Maluma. see the baby in his half-ass performance? No, like... I didn't. I came late. I saw Maluma just walking around and then have all these girls dancing. He just he literally walked off the stage on and then walked back on. Yep. No choreography, like all these, and even if you had the boy groups, it was like we saw that shit with B2K. Like it was like it was just not as like entertaining, but it's like women are usually more commodified, and you know, it's they sell women and women things. So it's like to be more hyper feminized is like more marketable, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So that's why she's into that. But I hear you, bitch. I agree. Yeah, it's just it's very <gasps> frustrating because I just don't want drag to be perceived as this one thing. And now that we have this new generation of people coming up because of drag race, I people watch one season of drag race and then suddenly now they think that they're the fucking judge. Now they think that they're RuPaul themselves and they could tell you who should be on the show and what's not. But if you are really a fan of drag, then you will know that there's so many different forms of drag that's out there. And there's a reason why all of them should be represented. We're 13 seasons in. <laughs> there's no reason why. Well, not even that. If you think about it, like, we're probably almost 20 because we got to keep it mind internationally. No, internet, exactly. Canada, Thailand. Um, Thailand had did two seats. And Thailand had a trans contestant who won. Also, Canada Drag Race, who they had? They had a non-binary queen on there. They had a two-spirit queen on there. Uh, UK, they had a bisexual queen on there. And I said, damn. a straight person, too. Yes, they did. Yes. Gary Cat was straight. I didn't get into UK as much. But I'm like, what the fuck is America doing? We're supposed to be the leader of this shit, and we Mm -hmm. can't even get proper representation Mm -hmm. on that fucking Baby, you preaching to the choir, baby. You preaching (laughs) to the choir. (laughs) Because think about it, even if you do have the trans girls, like, some of these, and here's the thing, though, because if hyper-feminization is what is selling, I'm not, I, if I'm a community against a trans person, I'm not going to be intimidated because I work with them. Yeah. It's just that a lot of these trans performers who's ready to show the world are just that bitch. And these pheromones and these trinity tucks can't take it. Nope. Not calling them out, but it's like, in regards to the drag aesthetic of them being cisgender men, those are the closest thing to like the hyper feminized bodies and right, stuff. Right, right, right. But if Sasha fucking um Sanchez on a bitch, what? Uh Kobe, um, if um Barbie Royale was gonna come on, these motherfuckers could not take it. No. They could not take it. No. They couldn't take it. Like they would like these girls were gagged, and most of these transformers are in the pageant scene, so they know how to compete. And we already know how they treat pageant girls, so they already have that one thing against them. But these these, these girls couldn't take it. No. What? Oh. Uh-uh. And it's funny how they like that he said, like, if you got your titties and shit done, you like cheating. It's like, but Detox had breast implants, hip implants. Trinity has hip implants. Trinity's literally got plastic. Right. Fucking um, Venus Delight got her face to look like a female personator of Madonna. But that's not an advantage. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. And just because you are a trans girl, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the fishiest out of the bunch. Like, right. we have definitely seen queens on Drag Race who outfish every fucking... Jada fucking Essence Hall who just won. Come on. Like, come right. on. So, like, that's... It's just no excuse at this point. It's kind of like we're in 2020, going on 2021 with the next right. season. Like, 
y'all, y'all should be allowing a lot more. Rep, if you're going to represent drag, you got to represent every motherfucking body. And that's how I right. feel about that. <laughs> mm. But at the same time, I, I can see why people was like, oh, create your own show, yada, yada, yada. But it's like, y'all say that. And it was like, I understand. It was, took a while for RuPaul to get to where he was. It was all fucking crazy, shitty-ass logo. And nobody was fucking with logo then. And then, v, um, you know, VH1 bought it from logo. Viacom eventually, so it's like it's not going to even drag us up and coming. But it's like people say, Well, you should create a show for trans first peoples. First of all, people are just not trying to see it for trans women. But the thing is, trans women are trying to fight the narrative that they are not men dressing up as wigs, that they're women that also perform in drag. But so it's a lot of things that they're trying to combat. So it's like Drag Race has that platform to educate. It's like you want us, like, why can't you just use your platform to help? Yes, we could have our own show, but will it be accepted as much? Will it be even watched? You know, now here's the thing, we said it, will it then be canceled after one or two seasons? Because then now they're going to compare the two. Because mm-hmm. that's what we do. We compare. We compare female rap artists against each other. We compare not as much as men, but, you know, we compare these things. So it was like, will creating your own show, would that hurt the cause? Would that, you know, versus just opening up the inclusivity of the show? Won't that do better? Right. Is there anything? Is there anything else that you want to like express? Um, what has been on your heart, darling? Yes. So what's been in my what's been on my heart is right now in Chicago drag scene, we've had a lot <gasps> of issues with. I had so a nice I, queen I from there. That's that's oh, going to be ooh, on the podcast. Ooh. I had uh, Darby Lynn Cartwright. Okay, work. Oh, yes, she changed the name. Good job. Yes, 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 Darby. <laughs> but um, so. If you're, if you are caught up, basically, Tranica Rex has been called out, called in. Redacted Rex. By, yes, by all the black, and brown, but mostly black local performers, drag performers, or trans drag performers, mm-hmm. or burlesque performers of their toxic work places. Shout out to Shea Kool Aid. Right. Did you, did you see the whole thing when, like, how Shea Kool Aid was? I was how, there like, live. They made, I was watching it live. Oh, oh. So yeah, so Tranica making racial lynching jokes and them not paying the girls or them, um, you know, them um, blocking bags and um, what do you call that? Blacklisting certain people yes, and yes. stuff like that. So apparently, apparently that was going to happen in New York City that never came through. But um, the thing, I heard about it rumbling because I was going to tell my story. I'm going to tell it now, but mm-hmm. I was like, I was trying to find a rape platform because it wasn't necessarily I wanted it to be heard but i want to be heard enough where something will happen because i'm not going to write out my experience in my heart and soul for this shit to just be so under the rug which it did so it's like mm-hmm. that's why i'm happy i didn't necessarily tell my story because this whole the chicago drag black drag coalition is a thing in new york city is not yeah. uh, we, we don't have i that. was waiting i was like okay so this is chicago drag is new york drag there were murmurs i heard people working on it nothing so basically, we was talking about how, like, you know, the lack of black representation, or even if I have a black performer, it'll be one black performer, and that'll be it. And um, you know, or how they won't, how venues won't book any black people at all, or don't create any spaces for black people, mm-hmm. or they have one quote unquote black night, you know, to bring in a black, the bring in black crowd, yeah, yeah. We've seen that here in New York City with Monster Bar when Honey Davenport called them out, and and um. Mitchell, what was the name? Who was in um, Bob's Productions thing? Um, um, he's a oh, DJ. Shit. Yeah, I, I, I work with him. Excuse me. <laughs> but it got to the point where, like, you know, even the Monster Bar was called out in New York City because it was like, 
when they had a noir night. Of all the nights, it was a noir night. And the old manager was like, oh, take those white people off. We need more prettier people and we need to draw more crowds. It's like, okay, it's a black night and it's white people on it. And that's racist as hell to assume that these black go-go dancers are beautiful, but also what are you trying to cater to? So that got me into my feelings because it was like, a lot of these uh, black performers and drag performers are now on their Instagram when the George Floyd protests were coming up. Everyone's like, you know, Black Lives Matter, yada, yada. I'm like, that's funny. And if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen I call a lot of people out on it regarding it's like, a lot of you all are saying Black Lives Matter, but, you know, there's venues who do not have black performers or black staff. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go into that later on. Hold on. But before I even get to that, it was like, <laughs> a lot of you girls are like, Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matters, but it's like, you're the same white queen when you're doing Beyonce now where you put your box braid wig on. Right. You're the same queen who puts your dreadlock wig on. You're the same queen who uses a black scent and mannerism whenever you're talking to another black queen, but you don't talk like that when you talk to your white queens. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, let, put your money where your mouth is. But also it's like, a lot of y'all don't even book black people in your shows, but all of a sudden black bodies and black lives matter. Like, right. get the fuck out of here. I've had white queens who I've competed, like, okay, Jasmine Kennedy's one of them. I'm just gonna say her name. But we remember we had that one competition we competed against each other. She has her own shows now. She's done all these things, but it's like all of a sudden she wanted to reach out to me to do a, a drag show to raise money for it's like Black Lives Matter. But I'm like, Girl, is this the only time you thought of me? Like all these girls randomly, now they want to get all, they want to get all the black people they know. They want to now, I've, I've even told people like, now they want to tag me in their stories. Like, oh, follow this black drag queen. Bitch, don't let me be the the the, the scapegoat to help you fight with your white um, guilt. Right. Because if you wasn't talking to me t- two years ago, three years ago, before this whole George Floyd incident happened, don't try to use me now as a way to tell people that you're the good whites, okay? So even with Jasmine Kennedy, she reached out to me. She was like, and she created a whole group chat of all these black queens saying, I want to do a, a, a Black Lives Matter thing. And if you want to keep the money, you can do your, you know, put your own Venmo stuff up and they can donate to you there. But I'm like, I ignored her ass. So I'm like, girl, you haven't reached out to me. You've had plenty of times if you ever wanted to book me. Not saying you had to, but the reason I bring it up is because you had your own shows. We've done a, together, a show together at Monster with her, mm-hmm. with um, Egypt and, and um, her and I, but my whole point was it just looked disingenuous for you to only reach out to me now when it's trending that everyone wants to be more woke about blackness. Now, right. again, I don't know her journey. I don't understand it. But from my perspective, and that's one thing I'm concerned about because bitch, you reached out to me. That does not look genuine. That looks like, oh, I'm just trying to save face. Mm-hmm. And it's like, not only that, but you could have also just saved us some money and paid the girl and just created a select few or just, you know, Actually, instead of not saying that Black Lives Matters don't need the money, but they have other people that's organizing it. You're going to ask Black queens during a pandemic to work for free using a craft and skill that they use to pay their bills? That didn't make sense to me. Uh, instead of donating the money to Black Lives Matter, why couldn't you just have their own Venmos up so the money they wanted can go directly to them? Or you just perform and split the money. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that Black Lives Matter don't need the funding, but you're asking Black people who are unemployed right now to use what they use to earn their money to then give it to another organization instead of helping themselves out. You know what I mean? Right, right. But um, it got to the point, I don't know if we're going to say names, but it made me realize, I, you know, another uh, uh, Jersey City club um, 
you've been there, you know, uh, was, you know, put Black Lives Matter. And I really just set me off because I'm like, you know, these restaurants and bars are like Black Lives Matter, but they don't have Black staff. Little to know, and when they do have Black staff, every time I come and I was booked to come, there was no more Black staff. It's full of Latinx individuals and white individuals. And there's no shade to the Latinx community, but it shows that it's like, okay, so are Black people dispendable? Expendable, sorry, disposable. I was mixing two words. Um, you know, you don't create spaces for Black vendors or people to come. I've invited Black friends when it comes to me perform at the space in Jersey City. And they was like, oh, wow, it's really white. And I'm like, oh, yes, it's, it's very white. And, and, you and know, the you sad don't have, part is it's not a reflection of, of, of our Jersey city. Because Jersey City has a lot of niggas. And there's a lot of queer niggas that are here, right. too. Right. And, and so if a lot of queer is, black people aren't going to your space, then what do you think? Right. And that's the thing. When I worked there, the queen who hosted it liked to use it as the selling point. It's like, you know, we're diverse, the most diverse area in, you know, Jersey, whatever. And I'm like, well, your demographics of this club does not reflect it. Um, but also how there's not barely any black music being played or any nights dedicated to blackness. Um, any, when you, and now this is inside tea, um, I can't say the other queen's name because you're going to know the club, but you'll figure it out eventually if you know it. But a well-known drag performer who was doing drag for 25 years had shows there, a brunch show, and her being the only Black face on that brunch show, that bar let that brunch show go to hell. They stopped supporting it in regards to, there's moments where I had to do a, a Sunday brunch and like the flyers weren't made in advance or, you know, they really just dropped the ball. But when they, they dropped the ball for that black performer's brunch to then really uplift another brunch when they had two white performers from New York City. You put those two together. So they had two white performers. And then when, I'm, when I was thinking about going there, one of the girls who worked there was telling me, like, oh, now they're requiring staff to bring two to three people. So I was told, so the numbers can go up so they can keep the show. But I'm like, why was this effort not done to the black brunch that was hosted by the black queen? Right. You know? Um, why are you not booking? When I worked there, I was the only dark-skinned queen they booked. There was another Black queen there. She will be on television, hopefully, in the future. Uh, I'm not going to say names, because like, if I say you're going to know it. I'm trying to be professional. Again, it's crazy how, as a Black person, I have to be professional and cautious of how much truth I have to speak to power, because, again, it's going to backfire on me, even though I'm calling truth to power, you know, speaking truth to power. But, um, because she's black, but she was dark. people thought she was mixed. She was light-skinned. So I was the only dark-skinned bitch. And it's like, why is it that I'm the only dark-skinned bitch that's being booked? So you haven't booked any other black girls. There was a competition there where they were supposed to book a black girl who came as a runner-up, never booked her. Um, you know, it's just a lot of things. I even, even the work environment, like working there at the bar, you know, I've had white people tell me that they thought I was so aggressive and my tone was off. It was like, I'm just responding to the fuck shit you asked me. Like, they would ask me stupid shit, like, you know, um, you know, just stupid shit. Like, girl, oh my God, like, what's going on? And how's your tuck doing? I'm like, girl, that's none of your business. Why are you asking me that? And it's like, oh, you're so aggressive. Why are you always trying to argue? And it's like, a white person telling a black person they're aggressive when they're just responding to your question is always triggering to me. Uh, it's, so, also, it's so annoying because you would think, like, since we are in this community and it is a marginalized community, as it is, like, 
you should have respect for other people. Like you should know, okay, I should not say this, but that's just, it's, just, it's so frustrating to me. Cause I'm, cause I expect better from this, from our community, you know, like you should know as a marginalized group, a marginalized person that you don't like this shit to happen to you. You don't like this right. shit being said to you. So why are you doing that on to others? But then that goes into power dynamics and social hierarchies and all the other shit. <laughs> I've had moments where like the girl, you've interviewed her before, actually. I, all I can say is moon. Um, if you get the reference, you'll know. Just mm-hmm. think of the moon. Mm-hmm. Then a drag name might come up. Their drag name is not moon, but yeah, it's associated with moon and night. But um, they're the booker of this place, and there's moments where like they're in this. They, they were they hired someone from New York, another white queen, and uh, we're getting ready. And the white queen, well, her name was um, I forgot her name. Well. The white girls like I only date black and Latinx men for their big dicks, and I'm, and I'm like, so not because of their personality, not for their intelligence, or you guys just link up well, you know, relationship-wise, just because of their penises. So you're fetishizing black men. When I called it out, everyone's looking at me like I'm crazy, like I said something wrong. So mm-hmm. I was never supported there when it came to things like that as a black person. There is moments where the same black queen, I was talking about light skin queen, she threw me shade because one time the booker gave me an extra brunch schedule and the queen inadvertently thought I didn't deserve it because the brunch is extra $25. Mm-hmm. And the, the light skin black queen was upset. I got to talk to her about that, but she might be on TV soon, so she may not give a fuck about it. But it got to the point where, you know, she was arguing to the booker like, Oh my God, why? She mind you, she already has her own Brooklyn show. She has her shows in New York City, but the Lightsley Black Queen was angry that I got booked this extra brunch, even though you either get two brunches or two Friday nights. I got my two brunches that month. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. She was basically, she was arguing like, why am I not getting all these brunches? That's in front of me, which is unprofessional, in front of the white booker, you know, the person who books at this mm-hmm, club. Mm-hmm. And it frustrated me because it's like, number one, as a Black person, I wasn't supported again because my own Black person is telling me essentially... I'm not worthy enough to be getting these extra paid gigs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, her tone was like, why is she getting booked the higher paid slot more than me? As if I'm like, girl, because that's how the cookie crumbled. Like everyone's going to get a rotated schedule. The white queen who was the booker at the time who was in charge of it. Didn't end it. Didn't come in out of my defense. Didn't stop her. They just sat there and had that conversation. And I'm like, I had, I had to remove myself because it was uncomfortable to me. Cause I'm like, she's literally arguing as if I don't deserve the things that I've got that I worked hard for at the same time I've been in environments where that same white queen who is booking the people and in charge sat me down to tell me that she thought that me and the other light-skinned queen um black queen we she and I quote she thought that I was cocky and arrogant the way I was walking around because you know it just came off that way instead of getting to know me Mm-hmm. Instead of understanding where I came from, she just assumed that I thought I was better than her because I acted. Keep in mind, I started in drag troops in upstate New York where I've done drag shows where I was getting paid $100. And basically, that was right. Oh, I don't want to go back and tell it because it's a whole yeah, yeah, it's a whole story. But basically, I, that following straight bar idea after my sophomore year of performing in the um, college um, show, mm-hmm. I got $100 get paid. The book wanted to be booked there again. And these white queens in the troop I was in reduced my pay. They only they didn't think I deserved my pay I was getting because I was new. Even though they was doing drag for seven years more than me. The thing was, they never were good enough essentially to even get that venue at that straight bar. 
mm-hmm. but I did because of my talent and the owner thought I deserved that pay. So, but until then I've been, you know, mistreated by them. I've been underpaid by them. They said that they've reduced my performances to, and I quote to the black queen who just twerks, forgetting that I have choreography and mixes. So I've been through this racist shit. So for fast forward to now, for this queen in Jersey city to say that, oh, she thinks that I thought I was better than her hurt me because it's like, bitch, you don't know where I came from. I, if I'm confident, because I had to work my ass from the bottom to the top to get to the confidence I'm in because I've had people literally threaten to not to book me. But if you were you a white I mean? queen, it would be confidence. But since you're a black queen... Right, it's, yes, it's yeah. arrogance. I'm, I think I'm better than them. But they also said, I feel like you're, you're not trying to get to know me and you create when I'm trying to hang out with the girls. This bitch, I'm at work. A, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Either you're going to be my boss or you're going to be my friend because, first of all, you're 31 years old. You're older than me. So my thing is, she was like, I feel like you don't connect with me and you talk to the girls, but you don't talk to me as much. I'm like, because my jokes and my references for my humor and my jokes that I'm talking about are black. You are six, seven years older than me. You're not black. And the girls I'm talking to that know of it, they are black or know of what I'm referencing. <laughs> but um, no, it got to the point where it, it just, it was just very much uncomfortable because I'm like, I'm not going to dim my light for anyone else to feel comfortable, especially this dynamic, you're white, you're older, you're in charge of the booking and, 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 and this quote-unquote curating of the shows. So it's like, how can you honestly tell me to dim my light down and, you know, you think I'm not trying to be inclusive and work with you, but it's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Either you're my boss or you're my friend, but you can't be both. So you're not going to say what I'm talking about because you don't know where I come from. Secondly, you got to keep in mind, you're not making a space for me to feel welcome at all, really. And then there's moments where, like, she focused if I was trying to, like, not take over her show, but, like, tell her what to do. But it's like, girl, you've been doing drag for less than two years at that time. And the first year was only you was serving, I'm not going to say exactly, but doing, she was bartending in drag dates. I'm, I'm not going to mince words. So it was like, you weren't even performing there. So my thing is, you, you just got that position you were in because you just happened to be white and in the right place at the right motherfucking time. Because which motherfucking queen you know gets to book and control and curate shows within the first or year and a half of doing that shit? Uh-huh. Right. Especially, like, most queens, you got to work your ass off in order just to get booked constantly in order for them to think that you're worthy enough to get shows. So in my head, it's like, I'm not trying to take your position, but I realize how hard it is to get what you are. And like you said, when I was, joined, when I was asked to join that cast, mm-hmm. we were originally asked, you know, we're trying to make this a popping place so people can come through. So my goal is not to take your spot from my perspective it's okay let's how do we make this shit smooth because i'm quite frankly i told her to her face you do not have the experiences that i have so i'm not trying to give you critiques and suggestions that i'm trying to your spot i'm giving you critiques and suggestions to help you improve and make your hosting and your not even performing just hosting and the whole run of the show smoother show make racially awkward jokes and a crowd be like dead quiet i'm just like palm slap like you know, there's certain things where it's just awkward on the mic or like I'm about to perform and the stage is not clear. I'm like, well, can you tell me to clear the way? I don't need you to tell me what to do. Bitch, I'm about to perform. I need a clear space to do what I need to do. So, yeah. So I bring it up because it's like, I see a lot of, I guess, fake and phoniness. It's like, it's performative allyship. A lot of these venues are like, let's say Black Lives Matter. Let's do all these things. But it's like, your actions do not reflect your words. I know it was a lot. I know it was rambling. I just had that on my chest because... Yeah. It's been a while, and you know, keep in mind that venue posted Black Lives Matter, but they haven't shown anything else after that. 
they haven't done anything. Like they haven't, there was nothing for Black Pride. There was nothing, we're not donating any funds to this Black organization. There was no Say Her Name. There was nothing for Breonna Taylor. There's nothing for the local Black trans girls, Ashley Moore, who were recently killed in Newark in April. So it's like, I, I'm just so tired of, don't piss my leg and tell me it's raining. I'm tired of the fake shit. I'm tired of the lies. I'm just, I'm tired of it. And it's to the point where a lot of people are like, they don't have much to lose because they're not the ones fucking dying. Right. They, we're, we're the ones dying. We're the ones that are losing shit. So it's like, as it's, it's kind of hard for me to ask someone to care when it doesn't affect them, but it's like, don't lie and play in my face. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if that was helpful. I wasn't trying to, I was trying to be professional, keep it cute. But um, if no, those th- were really... that's your experience, and you yeah. are sharing. Your I don't know experience. if it was like rambling or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I got you. I understood it. I understood everything. <sighs> I got you. Yeah, that's that's definitely your experience, and you're not the only black queen to face that. It's the story of a lot of black queens, and I, and all these bars need to improve when it comes to the treatment of these black queens. There's no reason why, like I said. Black queens, black people are at, are at the forefront of everything. We are literally the, the innovators and the creators of all these movements and, and all that. And just for the end result to be black queens to be treated lesser than their white counterparts is fucking ridiculous. So definitely you sharing your experience. I'm pretty sure a lot of black queens are going to relate to that. And hopefully those said people listen to this episode. Um, and hopefully that improves. Because like you said, like, JC is a is an area where it's mad niggas over here. Like there's mad niggas over here, mad gay niggas over here. Okay, Grinder says so. Right. So the scruff and jacked. There's mad niggas over here. So how come when I go over there, I don't see as many niggas as I would like? Or they will, or they will walk in there, stay there for a little bit, and then go leave, go to Porta next door because Porta is playing um R and B and hip hop music. Right, <laughs> because they're creating a space that makes them feel comfortable. You know, just like from the pricing, like just a lot of it is catered to whiteness. Like, not yeah. saying that there's not black people who can afford expensive drinks, but it's like you gotta understand. Like, they're not creating a space from the DJ, from the the bar. And the thing is, in, in this venue, though, they they love a black security guard. They love a black security guard, <laughs> but they don't like hiring black bartenders. Um, waiters, staff, people, they'll have one token manager. But uh, they don't, and I've even worked at other venues where like this, they're going to promise me a gig and I've been doing work in their shits, traveling from New York to Midtown, trying to catch the last bus back to Newark before it stopped running for free for like four, four, four shows. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, we'll book you. I haven't been booked yet. When I called them out on it, this is a rebar in Chelsea, so it don't matter. Odyssey was a person who was a book man, Jim Silvestri, and now when I called him out on it, he was like, oh, well, if you want me to book you, I can book you in August. I was like, bitch, I don't want you to book me now after I called you out on it. When you, when I was working for you for free, you said you had, and I asked you if you can book me, you said, I can't now, but there'll be openings in April. April passed, and that two years ago, and you still have yet to reach out to me. So I was like, bitch, I knew what you were doing. You were exploiting me for my services, because I was hosting pre-hosting shows and it's like how do you have enough money to, to to book these queens out of town but you couldn't slide my ass fifty dollars for doing three numbers and hosting mm-hmm. come on three numbers for free i was working a fucking tips pitch and that's the thing if i can give tips to drag performance it's like 
know your worth. Yes, it's this weird feeling of when you're new, you want to get this exposure. You want to do things for free because unfortunately that's the name of the game. You got to prove your worth to some people. But uh, in Christmas Sky, I told me, you got to be careful. When they realize you like something, they'll exploit your ass for it. Mm. Because when you like it, they understand that, oh, money's not important. They like doing what they're doing. No, bitch, I like doing what I'm doing, but I like it better when I'm getting paid so I can pay my fucking rent and keep a roof over my head. Yeah, that's the reality. This is life or death for a lot of queens. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, this is the reality. Yeah, that's true. Damn. Mm. I'm sorry you was go. going over. I'm sorry. I was talking a lot. No, I'm happy. This is great content. My chest. This is great content. <laughs> this is great content, bitch. But yeah, people need to hear it. People need to hear need to hear your story. And the fact that your story is reflective of so many other black queens, we need more of that. So definitely yes alicia you are a stunning queen everybody go follow alicia day on instagram at alicia day queen follow my only fans no i'm joking (laughs) wait i'm about to be like yes bitch plug okay no 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 no. yes sorry go on (laughs) yes follow alicia day at alicia day queen on instagram alicia's instagram lives are lit as fuck um Uh, i do you know how many songs from your live that i've saved on my playlist you put me on really? some music. Yes. What songs? You, like, the, wait, what's lives? On a, on a couple of your lives. When you I just had like the chilling. black hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, Katronada and stuff. Yeah, I love Katronada. When I tell you, you put me and on to that Katronada and Van Jess song, Taste. Yeah, I love that. Oh, because when I'm doing the stories. Oh, I, yes, bitch. Yes. That's why I love the Instagram stories because I'm like, it's, it's marketing. It's, it's, you can do your own marketing. You can create your own flyers and share it how you want to and then add the music. And knowing me, I'm a smart bitch. So I'm like, okay, if I'm doing a whole list of things in a week, I'm going to do the whole minute and 30 seconds of a song. So every 15 seconds, I make sure it's linked right when I do the audio with, you know, mm-hmm. the story. So yeah, I think, and I'm happy you said it because I'm going to keep doing that shit. Because <laughs> that's my way of sharing like songs I'm listening to right now. So yeah. Ah! Thank you. You are amazing. And I'm so happy that you came on the podcast because I I'm actually I'm so happy that we made this connection, girl. Yes. Yes. And when things oh. get better, oh, we are out here, bitch. We're gonna be out of here. Hopefully I'll have my own shop. Literally, I was supposed to I was gonna talk to getting my own brunch, but then COVID happened. So let's hope. Let's hope. 2021, big things, hopefully. Hopefully, bitch, you get a vaccine. Okay. Bitch, I don't know what these bars are going to do for uh September. No, October through December. I don't know what the hell. These are low seasons for bars. Yes. No, no, high seasons. I think low season during the summer mostly. But it's flu season, so it's like it's flu season, and then you know Jersey is cold as fuck throughout. It's half the damn right. year. Right. It don't get warm until April. And these bars, you can't be in them if they close. So yeah, if you got the outside venues, you can't make your money anymore. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. inside is going mm-hmm. so, a lot of these bars are going to be closing down, and you know what's going to be right there after them condos, <laughs> girl. Because <yeah>. <laughs> this housing market is on a whoo, free fall, so guess what's going to be there for these bars closed? A fucking condo that I can't afford, and that there's right. no there's not enough parking to accommodate all those people, anybody. Right. Jersey right. City, you better be listening to this shit. And Newark. Right. What? Hello. <laughs> so, yep, everybody go follow Alicia Day Queen on Instagram at 
Alicia Day. I said Alicia Day Queen. Go follow Alicia Day at Alicia Day Queen on Instagram. Yes. Check out and Cash App and Venmo. And Cash App and Venmo. Yes. Period. All right. Thank you and so much for coming on. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Even on my lives when I go on my Instagram, sometimes we talk about sex or about crazy things. So <laughs> if you follow me, you get to be in that loop. But thank yeah. you so much, Derek. Thank you for keeping me in the loop and thinking of me. Thank you so much. No problem. Everybody check out the next couple of interviews that are going to be coming up. We have Darby Lynn Cartwright from the IMHO YouTube channel, who is amazing. We have Nick Gaga on here as well. Oh, okay. Yes, and I'm trying to find the fourth queen. I'm going to find I them. may know someone for you. Please. Um, <laughs> They may be like, they're Jennifer Queen and King in upstate New York. I'll message you and send you their information on Instagram. Period. There you go. So that's it. Thank you for tuning into the Devon Hour. Thank you for taking an hour out of your day to hear me run my fat ass fucking mouth. And you okay. stay woke. And check out the next series of interviews during this drag race extravaganza. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Yes. Bye.